0: We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening.
1: So, my wife spent decades as a nurse specializing in obstetrics and then uh, teaching at some of our city's uh, universities and colleges. Uh, in a clinical context. Uh, and so I, I, I got thinking this past week, and I actually, she was taking care of one of our grandkids, and I, I texted her and I said, do babies always cry when they're born? Always. Like, why? She, she, she got back to me, and I won't tell you all she said, because she got into some technical stuff, but basically they have to, uh, to clear their lungs, and to breathe on their own, independent of their mum. And, uh, you know, but it just, uh, here's what I was thinking when I asked her that question. She didn't give me the answer I wanted, because why can't they come out laughing? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a lot nicer if just, you know, instead of going, wah, wah, you're, ha, 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 it's a joy to be here, you know? Just that, that sense of, you know, so that's how we're physically born. What about our spiritual birth? Have you ever noticed how many times that um, when Jesus describes it, it's always in the context of joy? Uh, Jesus said, there's joy in heaven. Every time a sinner repents, uh, he told his followers, rejoice because you're born again and your name is written in heaven. So have joy for that. He told them, no one will take away your joy. It's like there's an indestructible quality to the joy that we have when we're born again and Jesus comes into our lives. And then he says this, I have told you this so that my joy, notice it's not something we come up with, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I love the way that Pastor Jonathan taught last week about making the distinction between happiness and joy, and I loved it. It just was so articulate. Happiness is outcome reliant, right? It relies on the outcome to determine whether you're because happiness depends on happenings, right? But he said joy is outcome not reliant, outcome defiant. I love that, because it's so true to what we see. We're going to see next week how you can have, you don't have to wait till the end of a trial to have joy, you can have joy right in the midst of the trial. And, and, and today we're going to see that, because we see it from what Jesus says, and other New Testament writers, listen to this, <laughs> joy is the normal condition for a follower of Jesus. Joy is the normal condition for the follower of Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes one church, he says, always be joyful. How often? Another church he writes, another group of Christians he writes in the first century, he says, rejoice in the Lord. And it's almost like he's anticipating them saying, always, he says, I'll say it again, (laughs) rejoice. Uh, you know, someone wrote this little glib, but they, they said, you know, if, if there's no joy in your life, then there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. <laughs> so, so, uh, so what's up with people in Galatia that the apostle Paul writes to? He confirms that joy is the normal. He says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. See, it's right in the top of the list. Joy is the normal, but then he, then he says this. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? You know, earlier in your, when you started following Jesus, where is that joyful? Notice the um, inseparableness of gratitude and joy. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? You were running a good race. Who cut in on you? So apparently it's possible for followers of Jesus to lose their joy. But it got me thinking. So I went into the New Testament, studied for us, and I found three occasions where we can lose our joy. And I got thinking, yeah, some people online are just gonna switch to a different channel right now because they're discouraged already and they're hearing Pastor Keith's gonna tell them three ways they can lose the joy. Whatever I, joy I got, I can kiss it goodbye. Three different ways. But hold on, listen, every time... I show you from the Bible how we can lose our joy. I'm then going to show you how we can get it restored. Sound like a plan? Let, let's have that joy restored. Here's the three ways we're going to look at. Or here's where we're going. Autonomously crowd Jesus out of the driver's seat, pursuing self-centered happiness. We're going to say how to restore our joy when we're in that condition. And then legitimately interrupt joy to process pain. Hmm unnecessarily hanging on to regrets. All right, first one, autonomously crowd Jesus out of the driver's seat pursuing self-centered happiness. James wrote a letter in the New Testament that is called by his name, James, and he describes Christians who go autonomous. They are driving their own lives, trying to get to, to joy, and at best they're just getting happiness. You know, whatever Tesla and Apple come up with in the next few years regarding autonomous self-driving vehicles, there will never be a human being born that's designed to navigate life without God in the driver's seat. We're only at our best when we follow the plan of our designer for our lives, for every area. You know, like uh, sex, money, power. Only when we follow God's plan do we have the very best for those areas of our lives. We we never get uh, to where we're designed to go without Jesus Christ as Lord of, of our lives. You know, how many lived through the bumper stickers of the 1970s? A lot of followers of Jesus got in on it too, you know. Dr. Van, remember them? Of course you do. You're old enough. You know, if you listen to Dr. Van, how many know, if you listen to Dr. Van, you, you'd think I was around when Moses gave out the Ten Commandments. But anyway, all right. He knows because he was there. Now, but remember the bumper stickers? And uh, <laughs> I remember some Christians, they had on the bumper stickers, um, You know, far from God who moved. You know, that that was a a staple. But what what was the other one? It was, uh, God is my co-pilot. And then, some people saw a theological problem with that, so they came out with like a a response to that. And it said, if God is your co-pilot, switch seats. (laughs) Yeah, I could just imagine them getting stopped by the police. You know? Well, I'm sorry. I wasn't really driving. God's my pilot. You know, I switch seats. You know, yeah. Send the ticket to heaven. You know. <clears throat> so, so James calls out Christians that are crowding Jesus out of the driver's seat in the pursuit of self-centered happiness. Listen, I mean, he he's telling them straight. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You covet, but you cannot get what you want. When you ask God. You do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Now, any one of us is vulnerable here. We, we, are, we are pushed by the spirit of the age, the human condition to, to always want to put things like money in the driver's seat, make decisions according to how it will Uh, impact us financially, how it will better us financially, and and, in doing so, you know, we're asking money to do something that it's absolutely incapable of. You ever seen those studies that show that people that win the lottery, given enough time, they go right back to the same level of happiness that they had before, or or worse. You know, the four big P's, right? Power, prosperity, position, and popularity, they can at best provide short-term happiness, but, the, but but they never get to providing joy. Why? Watch this, because they leave the deepest longing of the human heart, the longing for spiritual connection, that's what makes us different than the animals, the spiritual connection. Humans are not designed to do life without God. Who, who was Augustine that said our soul's are made for you, O oh God. And our souls will be restless until they find their rest in you. So people like try and find it in entertainment. You know, Netflix, video games, entertainment, sports... Listen, every Lee fan has known for decades what Raptors fans are now learning and what fans of the Chiefs will experience at the Super Bowl tonight. Trying to find happiness through sports could be such a letdown. So depressing. You know, comedians whose job it is to make us laugh, right? They can't deliver joy. King Solomon... Describe that. You, you turn on something, you want it, make me laugh. Get, escape to a, a lighter place with the heavies I'm dealing with. You know, uh, he, here's what Solomon said. He really nailed it. He said, even in laughter, the heart may ache. I, I like, though, that James doesn't just describe selfishness as a dead end. But then he, he prescribes the way back to making space for God to be in the driver's seat of our lives. He says this, but he, again, he's, he's telling them straight. He says, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and what kind of grief? Deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom. Instead of joy. You know what he's saying? I mean, what's that doing on a message? I'm supposed to be speaking on joy. But you know what he's saying? You want to get joy? Repent your way to joy. That's what he's saying. Repent your way to joy. Repentance can be the most positive experience. I love that he doesn't say regret your way to joy. Ever notice how repentance takes you so much further down the road than regret ever will? Some people think repentance is regret. Oh, you know, I'm just so sorry. I wish I hadn't done different. Regret leaves us stuck. Repentance takes us to a place where we not only regret what we have done, we renounce it, we turn away from it, and we say, Jesus, I thank you that you give me a second chance. If I confess my sins, you'll cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You'll, you'll cleanse it all away. And, and you know, and how, how deep does it go? You see, it goes right to, right to the cause, the, the sin. Not just their shame. Some people, they just want shame removal, guilt removal, regret removal. I'll go to counseling. for That's why it's good to go to someone who wants to go deeper than that. The biblical counseling can just help people sort this out. Confession has a way of separating us from what's messing us up. Watch this. Confess your sins that you might be healed. Confess your sins that you might be. Get back to that place of wholeness. Re- repentance says that, that Jesus died for what messes you up. You can be cleansed by that. So regrets produce depression. Repentance gets all the way to joy. It, it produces joy. Godly sorrow. here. here here's Here's a verse Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, Greece in the first century. It sums it up. He says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation, do you know it? And leaves no regrets, no regrets. Why? Because it leaves us doing what we did today, remembering the death of Jesus Christ. When you see the extremes that he went to, you know, and then Jesus invited us to do matter of fact he instructed us to do what Pastor Jonathan led us in doing today and that is do it regularly until he returns just keep having communion why? because how many know we need to keep taking the garbage out before it piles up and stinks just just keep removing it you have to keep removing it every one of us needs to clear out regularly selfish substitutes that try to creep into the driver's seat of our life to come to a place where we say over and over, oh, Jesus, cleanse me afresh. I've messed up again. Just keep cleansing me, Lord. You know what's best for my life. What you reveal in the Bible is the GPS of my life. And I trust you more than any being in the universe to get me to my destination, including joy. Uh, I remember hearing about in Uganda how there were a lot of followers of Jesus in Uganda that were coming to Jesus and experiencing that joy that happens when we're born again. And so many of them, it was just happening that anytime they would meet, um, as they call them, a brother or sister in Jesus who was uh, sad, you know what they would say? Brother or sister, have you been to the cross yet today? Have you been to the cross? Because you go to the cross, you go, wow, why am I carrying this when Jesus carried it all? And, and is this, listen, whenever you're not experiencing joy, check the driver's seat of your life. Don't, don't let your soul get spammed by what people say will bring joy. Re- repent your way to joy. <clears throat> I love the way in James... Excuse me. Uh, how, um, you didn't know I could do that, did you? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if every time I said something silly, I could just block it out and I just keep going? I, I just did it there and it didn't work. No. <laughs> but it, it, it just, when James starts this whole conversation of saying, hey, you, you, here's why you are not experiencing joy, and here's how you can get back to joy, repent your way back to joy. Watch this. He starts out that whole lesson by saying, come near to God and he will come near to you and then he ends it by saying therefore humble yourself before the lord and he will exalt you he will exalt you He, he will he will give you honor so you want to get to closeness and and honor and have joy repent your way to joy all right there's a second way that we can lose our joy and it's legit legitimately interrupt joy to process pain. You say, come on, Pastor Keith, you're contradicting yourself. You told us that joy was the norm for the follower of Jesus. Always have joy. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. All right? That, that is the norm. How can a state of non-joy be legit? I can't imagine. I can't imagine what the people in... In Turkey and northern Syria, parts of Africa, Ukraine today. You know, losses of people that they loved. I can't imagine. So so, so listen listen closely then to what Jesus says. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for, can I say it this way? They are the ones who are going to get comfort. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comfort. If you don't mourn, guess what you'll not experience? Help me out. <laughs> Comfort. Joy. Why, pe- that's why people who don't grieve deeply enough get stuck in life. Just get stuck. If, you know, if I don't grieve deeply enough, you know what I'm doing? I'm just putting that pain of loss on hold. It'll just, what, what does your phone do when it's on hold? Does it keep flashing or beeping? It'll just keep beeping away until you take the call. I uh, came very close to home. My sister, a number of years ago in Vancouver, lost one of her children. What's worse than that for a parent? And we went out there. The whole family was there, and she has wonderful friends. And we I conducted a, a, a memorial service for Royce and... and uh, and, and, you know, my sister, how you doing? How you phone? How you doing? She, she, it was over a year later. She's out on a boat off of the Sunshine Coast of BC. She's out in her boat, and uh, she has a meltdown. She can't remember that She's getting confused, and her friends were with her. They didn't know what to do. They finally just brought her to the emergency at, at, uh, at a hospital. You know, you know what came out? she was actually, she'd put some of her grief on hold and she was actually having that meltdown because she was finally finally processing it. A favorite verse about joy is how God gives the oil of joy for mourning. Oil of joy. But no, notice, the way you receive the oil of joy is you. Come on, I need to know you're getting this. upstairs, someone help me. morning yeah that's how you, you grieve your way to joy. That's why some well-meaning Christians can do a whole lot more harm than good when they walk into a situation where someone's grieving a loss, this person can be sobbing away and just just freeing themselves from the, the, the what is the, the pain of change and loss that they're going through, and they go, Oh come on, don't cry, don't cry. The joy of the Lord is your strength or or, or you know, someone's got their heart broken because he or she left them. Oh, don't worry. There's all kinds of other fish in the sea. That just helps me so much, you know. Or even the loss of a job. Well, when God closes a door, he opens a window. Hush up. And hold their hand. For me la bouche and make a casserole. You know what I'm saying? What's meaningful to them at that stage? You say, you better find a Bible verse to back that up. (laughs) Okay. What about this one? Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Cry with those who are crying. You see? You don't just walk in with insensitivity. I remember a, a staff member that I had, both of his parents were tragically and suddenly killed, and mercifully, instantly killed in a car accident. And uh, I-, I heard about it, and of course he needed time to go be with family, and I said, I said, you're driving right by, can you just stop by? Would that be helpful to you if we just stopped by and prayed before you? Hey, I didn't know, what. I mean, just what do you do? And Marvin and his wife came in to our living room. I, all I did, it's all I could do. Because you empathize. Well, what would that be? And I just took them both of my arms and I sobbed and I sobbed. And, and, and Marvin began to sob, his wife. You know, years later, I met him at a, a conference in Vancouver, British Columbia, a pastor's conference. And he said, You don't know how much you helped me that day. It wasn't what I said. It's just how I many people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care? When they know how much you care, they'll, they'll listen to what you have to say. All right, there are two extremes to go to in this whole grief area. One, and I think we've covered it, not grieve deeply enough. But then there's the other one, to get stuck in grief. It happens if we let regret and self-pity get in on grief. And if only that hadn't happened. If only we had gotten help sooner. If only they had diagnosed this more accurately. If only we had done this differently. If only we weren't in that place at that time and and self-paced. Some people never move forward in their grief. They never move forward. I'm so thankful, uh, Pastor Stephen, that uh, our our church provides several times a year a course on grief. If you ever go through it or are still working through need just some more Help just to navigate your way through grief that you're going through. Great course to take. Watch for on the website for when it comes up next, and get in on that. I've heard from so many people that have have really been helped to process their 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 grief. I can tell you from someone who's lost their dad. Doctor Van could tell you, Pastor Jonathan. I lost my brother not long ago. Pastor Jonathan lost his dad more recently. That you learn, you never stop grieving. You always miss the person. But you, you can process grief. You, how? By turning it into gratitude for that person. Over time, just turning it into gratitude, you grieve your way to joy. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. That's how you get to joy. There's another way that we can lose our joy, and that is unnecessarily hanging on to regrets. Jesus provided the ultimate safe go-to place for regrets, didn't he, in the cross. (laughs) Whatever we've done that we regret, we can bring it to him and have Jesus cleansing and then have his Bible to help us find our way to getting back on the right track with Jesus in the driver's seat. You know, it's, it's called grace. There's nothing we can do to... Sometimes people who regret, it's like they're doing penance. It's like they're trying to punish themselves because it makes them feel at least, well, I, I need to just sort of hurt myself so that I, you know, it'll help me just process the, the, the wrong that I've done. But, you know, uh, Jesus gets right to the very bottom when he says... He, he, doesn't, he didn't die to deliver us from guilt and shame alone. How many are glad he died to deliver us from sin? <laughs> the cause, the root cause of the guilt and shame. He took all his, all of our sin upon himself. What did we sing last week? My sins, O oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sins, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. It makes absolutely no sense for you to keep trying to pay for something that Jesus already paid for on the cross, right? I like the way C.S. Lewis, my favorite writer, the way he put it, he says, I think that if God forgives us, we must forgive ourselves. Otherwise, it is almost like setting up ourselves as a higher tribunal than him. Now, the New Testament was written in the Greek language, and uh, so it's sometimes it's really insightful to look back at where words came from. I noticed this. Look at this. Kara is the Greek word for. Charis is the Greek word for. Now, that should tell us there's a lesson right there, isn't there? They're just so similar and so inseparable. That's how close joy and grace are linguistically, in the original teachings, the language that they were given in the original teachings, and it's also how close the two are, theologically or experientially. When you praise Jesus for his grace, it gets you to? Yeah, yeah. Praise your way to joy. You, you, with a grateful heart, we can praise our way to joy. And listen, if, if the regrets keep coming back again and again... Let Jesus do for you what I did for my five-year-old son, David. Couldn't get to sleep because, (laughs) and I, I just got so I dread that call. Dad, I'm scared. Why, David, are you scared? You're just getting to sleep. You, anyway. It's a cookie monster. Like whoever come up with something like that to terrorize kids. Anyway, the Cookie Monster. So this was going on night after night. Finally, I realized that you keep doing the same thing you always been doing. You're going to get the same results you already have been getting. And so I went into him and I said, David, where is he? There's a little light coming in from the door, from the hallway. I said, Where is he? He's right there. Right here. Where is he now? In your hands. All right, come with me, David. Have I still got him? Yeah. We got him. We went up to the front door of our house in Edmonton. I held him tight. Is he still there? Yep. Open the door, line and I listen. You've never seen a baseball pitch go like this. I, whoosh, whoosh, closer. I said, Now where is he, David? He's outside. Is he gone? Yes. Is he going to come back? No. He's gone forever, David. Yeah. Anytime you hear that accusing, haunting voice of regret in your mind, trying to, trying to get louder in your mind, it's time for you to say, thank you, Jesus, for getting rid of all of my sin. It's gone and it's gone forever. How many can risk a good hallelujah? <laughs> it's gone and it's gone forever. It's not coming back. It's like a song that we sang earlier. My chains are gone, I've been set free, right? It's gone, it's gone, not coming back. All right, who am I talking to online, wherever you're watching from? Who am I talking to in this room in Toronto? And you, you're saying, man, I have let stuff creep into the driver's seat and that driver's seat is supposed to be reserved space for Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna repent, going to change it back to what is the right and the best for my life and what brings Jesus the closest in my life how, how many how many are, you're in a season of grief and it's legit you need to grieve but you're in a season of grieving and just like winter is going to turn to spring you're saying Jesus I want to enter a new season of joy <laughs> just having you there and gratitude is going to get me there. I'm going to praise my way to joy. How many others are, are haunted by regrets? And today, it's about time you said, "My chains are gone. <laughs> my chains are gone." You know, we're uh, we're going to pray about that for each one of you in just a moment. You know, my wife and I are, as some of you know, are building a smaller home in um, in the Perry Sound area on a little lake, and. Uh, And uh, we've been waiting almost a year for the windows. But anyway, we we did put in a stove. That's what a stove should look like, right? Nice wood-burning stove. But we enjoyed it for days. After a couple of weeks um, of building fires, I noticed the fires were not burning as bright. It wasn't do what it was designed to do. It wasn't as strong. Why? Ashes were building up. Ashes. They were taking the space for the, 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 the flame that the stove is designed to produce for warmth and beauty. And it was right in the owner's manual, regularly clean out the ashes. And when I did, the fire was restored to its normal warmth and beauty that it was designed for. That, that's what we're seeing from God's owner's manual today, aren't we? You were made for joy. <laughs> it's your norm. Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Yeah, yeah. And some of us, we can repent our way to restore joy. Others, we can grieve our way and get to destination joy. Others, we can praise with thanksgiving All the way to joy. Let's let's just move into a prayer time. Online, can you pray with me? Everyone in this room in Toronto, let's just pray together. Thank you, Jesus, that times of non-joy are temporary. Weeping may last for a night, but your joy comes in the morning. Thank you that we've been to the cross today with Pastor Jonathan and we've experienced a fresh cleansing. And Lord, we just allow that cleansing to go deeper and to continue. We cleanse that driver's seat off until it becomes a a throne. And we invite the only one worthy, King Jesus, to sit on the throne of our lives. Lord, you know those of us who are, are grieving today, that means if we're mourning, you can comfort us. We can leave here, (laughs) we can leave this room in Toronto with with, with fresh hope. We're, we're, We're gonna grieve our way right through to that joy that the world can't give and the world can't take it away. Nothing can take away this joy. And Lord, if we have regrets, thank you. We don't have to carry them out of here. We don't have to leave them in this church program online. Every one of us can leave here with so much thankfulness rising up in our hearts that we, we leave here with a song in our hearts that says, my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior. He paid the price. He ransomed me. Oh, we're going to, with thankful hearts, praise our way to joy in these closing moments. Amen? Oh, let's sing together.
0: Thank you.